0: I recently became the owner of a very cutting-edge piece of technology, a real gadget. It was, in fact, a robot lawn mower. And I thought, I really dislike mowing the lawn. It just keeps on growing. Every week it grows, especially in Northern Ireland where you get lots of rain and um, it's very sunny and, and warm. And. I hate mowing the lawn, it it, it just keeps on going, you have to mow it over and over again and it's not something you can do once, that's for sure. So I bought a robot lawn mower, me and Katie, we put the guide wire around the lawn, we plugged in the docking station, charged it up and hit go. And I thought, salvation has come to this house, I am saved from mowing the lawn ever again. I thought, this is fantastic, this is brilliant. Just off it went. And then, a week ago on Friday, in the afternoon, I thought, my troubled week is almost done of work. And I got a text message with a picture on it. And there was my, 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 my treasured Bosch covered in paint. It was covered in paint. And my neighbor had accidentally spray painted through the fence and two meters into my garden and struck the robot lawnmower. And all of its sensors were covered, the screen was covered, the station was covered, and I thought, I'm ruined. I'm going to be mowing the lawn the rest of the summer. My salvation has been taken from me, I, 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 and, and I, was, I was very upset. But fortunately, my neighbor clean, cleaned it all up, and it's working, and it's fine, so, so don't worry. But yeah, this made me think about all the things that we try and save ourselves from in our lives, and, and that's just a you know, silly example, but you know, we look to try and save ourselves and put our hope in things to deliver us from something. Whether that's a medication to deliver us from an illness, whether that's a, a pension fund to keep us from being poor, whether that's a, a friendship to prevent us from being lonely, or whether that's a romantic relationship to give us purpose and meaning. And none of these things are bad, but sometimes we look to them to become our our life's meaning, the thing that we build our foundations on and the thing that we turn to when times are hard and we say, well, I've always got that still. That's going to see me through. That's going to keep me going. Wikipedia says that salvation is the state of being saved or protected from harm or a dire situation. And this theme or storyline runs throughout the whole Bible. And what we will see is that unlike my Moa, that God has the power to save. He has set his purpose on saving us. And he has paid the price to save us. And that we are indeed totally saved. And more than that, we have victory through God. And he has delivered us from, from, from all things. So God has the power to save, and we do not. We cannot save ourselves from either the things we have done wrong against God, our sin, or from what might happen tomorrow, or we can look at our life events, we can look at our life events and feedback from microphones, and we say we have no power over that, we can't stop that from happening. And David remembers this in verse 103, verses 15 to 16. He says, the life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. And it's strange to think of humans or ourselves even as grass. Something which seems so weak. And powerless. It's just blown around. It doesn't have a choice which way it blows. The wind decides that. Yet we see that with humans all the time. We see millions of people around the world displaced by conflict or wars or famine, and they have no power over that at all. Many of us here today will have situations which might be going on now or have happened in our past where we. Know that we were powerless and, and those things happened, and we don't know why, and they've had a dramatic effect on our life. Yet God remembers how we were made, David writes earlier in the psalm. And he still has a father's love for us, which is everlasting. So the eternal, everlasting God has this powerful love for people who are just like grass, who come and go and are gone. But he is the omnipotent, all-powerful God. He has the power to save. And he shows this throughout the Bible. God saves Noah from the flood. God saves the Israelites from Egypt where they were in slavery at the Passover. And then as God's chosen people, Israel, continually turn against God throughout the Old Testament and God says, you know, judgment is going to come. But when they turn back to him, he forgives them. In Psalm 103, 90 to 20, he writes, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. God is not mortal. His strength does not fail. But he is the mighty one in heaven. He created the universe and nothing is impossible for him. So when the Lord says he will bring salvation, when he says if you put your trust in me, he can save and he can do it. His power is not limited. And God shows that power on the cross as Jesus, who being fully God, died for our sins there. So he was able to pay the infinite debt that we owed as a human race as he was the infinite eternal God so that every one of us who had sinned or, or done wrong could be forgiven by God if we trusted in him. So we see this idea of something called penal substitution, which is the theological term where Jesus substitutes or, or swaps or, or takes our place to take our punishment instead of us. So God alone has the power to save us and only he can do that work. So God has the power to save but he has also set his purpose on saving us. So God has set his purpose on saving us. We've seen this especially in the covenant talk on the storylines which Nigel did about how God time after time, pursues after us and his people, looking to reach out and to save us. And this culminates in Jesus. In that passage I, I read earlier, John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. So God has gone all in on saving us. He has held nothing back. He has come down, reaching out to save us through Jesus. And that's a story that we see repeated time and time again throughout the Bible and Jesus' stories about the the shepherd going out to seek and find that lost sheep, about the, 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 the prodigal son who comes back to the father and is welcomed in. God's heart is to save. And in the Psalm 103 verse 11, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So in both of these passages, we see how God looks to save, but we also see his motivation in saving us. So great is his love for those who fear him. For God so loved the world that he saves, that he sent his son, that he casts our sin away from us. And and, and there's this beautiful phrase, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And you know, sometimes we wonder, has God forgiven me a bit? Has he just you know, partially remembered, but he's still got in the back of his mind? And, and, and this psalm is, is putting on this beautiful image that you know, if, if I go looking for my sin in the east, well, it's not there. You know, do I think my sin is as close as if I went to the other side of the world in the west? Well, it's not there either because God has completely removed your sin from you. It's completely done. It's completely gone. He has clothed you in righteousness. And what that means is that when he looks at you, he doesn't see our own rottenness, but he sees Jesus' work. He sees Jesus and he sees that amazing thing that he has done. And what that means, because that sin is removed from us, it's completely gone. It means that we can be reconciled with God. That means that where there was once separation, there can now be peace. So God, because of his love for us, has reconciled us with God. He's brought peace between God and man when we turn to him. And that is because God set his purpose on saving us because of his great love for us. And he had the power to do it. And he has taken our punishment, which we deserved, and made peace between us and God. So we can see how God has the power to save. He has set his purpose on saving us, but also God has paid the price to save us. A powerful image of this, when God provided and paid the price, is when Abraham is told by God to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, Yet, at the last moment, God comes and says, stop, I am going to provide for sacrifice. Uh, And he replaces it with, with with a lamb. And that's an image of what God was going to do in the future. It wasn't a sacrifice that we were going to give or something that we were going to do, which was able to pay the price. But it was Jesus who said that he is a lamb of God who is going to take away all the sins of the world. And he becomes that ultimate sacrifice for all our sins. And, and, and this idea that Jesus had to pay the price shows another image of what our salvation is. And that word is called redemption. And in biblical times, to free a slave, you would pay a ransom to redeem them, which would set them completely free. So that would mean that their, their, their time in bondage And in servitude would be at an end. And that would have been a very powerful image to the people then. And it's still a very powerful image now. And likewise, without Jesus paying the price to redeem us, we would still be slaves to sin, as Paul puts it. And in Romans 7, verse 18, he writes like this. This is what Paul writes. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do not do what I want to do, I agree with the law that it is good. As it is, I, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know what good itself I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good But I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And you can see in that passage how Paul is is struggling and wrestling with himself. And, And I think we've probably all experienced that, where we know the good thing that we need to do, that we should do. But we have this inner battle where we just do what we hate and we know that we shouldn't do, whether that's losing our temper, whether that's telling that lie, whether that's doing that thing that we know that we shouldn't do or whether it's keeping quiet when we know that we should speak up. And it's like you yeah, humans, we're, we're, we're like having a, a mortgage or a loan and the interest rate and the payments are just too high for us. We're never going to be able to save up or earn enough to pay God back because our debts keep on building up. And we're just continually slaves to sin because we can never redeem ourselves. We can never pay that ransom price that we need to pay. And Paul ends that passage by saying, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. And and that's just amazing when we think that Jesus has come in and paid that ransom price to free us from being slaves to sin. Because he has the power to do it, not us. And he is willing to pay the price. The price that we cannot pay ourselves. But we are more than just made right with God by Jesus on the cross. In fact, Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection... And as we trust in him, we are brought into new life with him. We are born again or made a new creation. And God says that we no longer need to fear death and that we will receive eternal life with God. And even more so that through trusting in Jesus, that he will give us life to the full. And what does that mean for us? Well, it means that our security in Christ no longer means that we need to live to just live a comfy life or have financial success or popularity, but we can have our eyes set on the eternal goal. Jesus' price on the cross, his power and his love, and his love which set his purpose on saving us has meant that death no longer wins. The disease or the illness no longer wins the difficulties of life no longer wins because we have an eternal hope, an eternal home waiting for us, which is secure in Jesus, completely secure. So why do we then so often rely on things and not in God? Well, we see this throughout Israel's history and throughout the Bible. And when we look at the Old Testament, we see some particularly vivid stories of this. So after God's people had been delivered from Egypt, we see almost straight away that they mess up. They stop trusting in God and they melt down their jewelry and create a golden cow that they can worship that instead of God. We see the people of Israel later on. They make a military alliance with Egypt to defend them instead of relying on God's protection as he had commanded. And we can see here how easy it is for Israel and for ourselves to trust in the things that we see around us and say, I'm putting my hope in this thing. I'm trusting in this thing or or this person to save me. But the golden cow of melted gold and jewelry, that didn't have any power to save them. The Egyptian army, mighty and powerful as it was, it didn't love them. They weren't going to come to save them. Likewise, we too can turn to human things or or people to be our salvation. Whether that is wealth and pension funds and stocks and shares to bring us comfort and safety. Whether that's friends to make us feel popular or romantic relationships to give us meaning and purpose. And none of these things are bad. None of them wrong. But if we put these things as a top and say, My life is built on this, my security and my identity is ultimately found in this, then we will find that when the stock market slumps, when the job with the great salary is gone, when the disease or illness progresses and the surgery fails, when the friends move away, or when the loved one is lost, that We can become hopeless. But what will never fail is God. Maybe today you struggle to believe that God would come to save you. Maybe you struggle to believe that God would set his purpose on coming for you. And that might be from a situation or experience that's been very painful. It might be going on now. It might be in the past. And it's difficult for you to believe that there would be a good father, God, who is seeking after you to save you and to love you. But Jesus came for you. He says in Luke 19, he came to seek and save the lost. And Luke four eighteen, he says, he has come to proclaim good news to the poor or brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Jesus has come to set you free. Jesus has come to heal your broken heart and to lift the burdens which are on you. And He wants you to know that no situation can separate you from Him because His love for you is so great and He is chasing after you. For some of us today, we might be trying to earn our salvation. We might be trying to pay the price ourselves. We might be trying to make amends as such for something we've done. Or maybe working really hard due to the the guilt or inadequacy that we feel. Jesus has come to set you free. He has paid the price. Your sin is gone as far as the east is from the west. That's how far he's cast away from you. He doesn't see you anymore, but he sees Jesus' righteousness on you. Trust in him that he has paid the price that only he can pay and not ourselves. So what then is our response to God's amazing work of salvation? Well, for some of us today, this is... Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts and saying, I've done it. I've saved you. I love you. And maybe today it's a case of letting Jesus into your heart and accepting that for the first time. And maybe for others it's a case of seeing how wonderful and amazing Jesus' work throughout. All of history is in coming to save us, that we might proclaim as the psalmist does Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives my sins and heals all diseases, who redeems my life from the pit and crowns me with love and compassion, who satisfies my desires with good things that my youth is renewed like eagles. Praise the Lord. The band are going to come up and lead us in worship now. And there's prayer ministry at the end. So please...